0: Alright, Justin, I want you to sing me a song
1: that makes you think of the planet Arrakis.
2: Well, it has sand people, so maybe the Sandman by Metallica. I don't know. I-, I tuck you in, woe within, keep you free from sin, till the Sandman comes. comes. Sleep with one eye open, gripping your pillow tight, exit
1: light. There you go. Well, there you go. I guess that worked. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Heather. Sing us a song that makes you think of a ruckus. Um, and I miss you like the deserts miss the rain. That's all I got. I guess. Fuck if I know. Fuck if I care. <laughs> Such a half-hearted question today. All right. I'm tired of giving more effort than some of these movies do. (laughs) Like Sands in the Hourglass, so are the days of our lives.
0: I mean... There we go. I do not know what it (laughs) is lately. Like... I guess I should wait till we're doing the episode. But you know what? I don't give a fuck. What is the deal with movies being so fucking boring lately? Ugh. (laughs) Like, can we talk about that? Can we just talk about what is the deal with Hollywood? Just releasing
1: boring shit. Like, boring shit. Like, dreadfully boring. like so fucking boring.
0: Oh, I watched this movie, one of the movies I did for TikTok was this like horror movie
1: type thing called uh, Separation. Mind-numbingly boring. Like this was the same week I
0: think I also watched Halloween. And it was like two nights in a row that I'm sitting there watching a movie. And it's so boring that my body shuts down and I
1: grab my phone in (laughs) self-defense. Because this is 2021
0: and nobody 35 and under knows how to handle boredom without grabbing their phone.
1: You know, it's what we do. All right. And then I'm sitting there like, oh, fuck, I just missed an hour of movie. Let me rewind it. Ugh. I just, I want to know what is happening. Is is there like an evil monster that is just sucking all the non-boringness out of Hollywood? I guess we should go into the movie so then that way I can expound upon it. Now I'm all melancholy.
0: Fucking A. Slayers. 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 slayers, slayers, slayers. Hey, Cinefans, fans, and welcome to this episode of the Simulslayers podcast. How the fuck did I fuck that up? Uh,
3: Ugh. <laughs> You're thinking too far ahead in I your melancholy.
0: I don't know. All right. So, like I said, welcome to this episode of the Simulslayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. Oh, yeah, you both got points, by the way. I don't think I said that officially. It Yay. needs to be official. You both got points. Um, yeah. So, uh, we are talking about Dune from 2021. Not that 1984 piece of shit. Fuck you, David Lynch. Um, yeah, we're talking Dune. It's in theaters, HBO Max, all that shit. How the fuck do I start a podcast? I don't even know anymore. Uh, so we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between with, like I said, the movie Dune. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section. I think I'm remembering how to podcast now. Anyway, uh, time codes will be in the description if you so require to jump around. Jump around, jump up, jump up, and get down. Justin, what are your spoiler-free <laughs> thoughts about Dune 2021? Part one.
2: All right, Big Dune, and yeah, to be honest, um, I kind of went into this completely blind. I've I haven't seen the original, um, and really didn't know much about this story at all going in, besides what I saw at, of the previews and different things like that. So, um, so I kind of will have that perspective tonight, um. I want to say that it's also based on a novel, right? Like both of the films are based on a a series. Oh, okay. There's a series. Yeah. Okay.
0: If I'm correct, I might be wrong, but like the first, like the guy that wrote it, he wrote like the first few, then he died, and then I think his son took over and wrote a few more. But yes, it is a series of books.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, good. I haven't, and I haven't read those either. So all of this is was completely new to me so i walked in with no preconceived notions or anything like that all i all i you know the only interest i really had was um i saw zendaya was in it and i was like oh okay cool she's in it you know i like her i'm a fan of hers um it looked just from the previews it looked it looked it had a distinct look that i thought was visually appealing like it looked like there were just going to be all of these you know landscapes and things like that that were visually pleasing to look at and i saw jason momoa was in it you know i i saw people that i like so i was like okay and it's sci-fi you know and and we've gone quite a while without having kind of like a sci-fi epic type of thing you know there hasn't really been anything like star warsy or star trekkie that has come out here recently so you know i was like all right let's see what what this is gonna be you know let's see what this is and um coming out of it after watching part one um i i think overall i left the i think the way that the movie wanted me to i was intrigued by it i think i'll see uh what happens in part two though there were some things that part that this part leaves to be desired um i I think it did its job at least with me as far as just world building and establishing who these characters are where the these different cultures and people and the the places where we're going to be going etc i think it did and kind of the political intrigue between these groups and how that ties into the emperor and all of these different um different characters and people so i think that overall i walked away like okay well we'll see where where this goes in part two. And I think that they recently announced that part two was already green lit and everything like that. I think, I think
0: that was kind of yesterday. They officially. Announced okay.
2: That. Yeah, that was, so that was kind of some news. So, uh, so cool. We'll, we'll see where the story goes. So I'm in a weird place. It's kind of hard to say, um, to give a hard opinion without seeing the entire story. I've just, never been that guy never gonna be that guy but just from what i can draw from my first impressions from this it, it it's an interesting story i think I, I thought that the as far as the performances the people who i thought would show up did i mean oscar isaac i thought w- uh was very good in this um he's going to be great Momoa as Moon Yeah, he's going to be tight, man. And I mean, Oscar Isaac is somebody who I've just, you know, he has won me over, you know, with just all of his different roles and stuff. He's so versatile and he's always, you know, even in movies that he's in that I don't like as much. I mean, I never it's he's one of those actors where you never feel like he's the problem. Like I'm never like, well, Oscar Isaac could have done it's he's never the problem. <laughs> if anything, he's usually enhances the film. That's the kind of actor he is. And I thought he was good here as um Duke Leto. We're just gonna say that. I'm not gonna even try Atreides. Uh we'll just go Duke Leto. Duke Leto.
3: D-leto. yeah you I think?
2: Yeah, okay. I yeah, think a tradies, right. All right, cool. But we'll go D Leto. I liked him. I thought he was good in this. I thought that his interactions with um his son Paul and uh, the the rest of the cast. I thought that he was a good person uh, to to be in this. He seemed like a noble father and a leader trying to do the right thing. He gave, he gave me kind of Ned Stark vibes. That that's just kind of what I got yep. from him. You know, a a, a father, a leader somebody whose heart's in the right place and ultimately um but you know without saying too much but ultimately you wind up respecting this character. The, 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 that's kind of who he is. You know, if you're a Game of Thrones person, then you probably know what kind of character this is from that. That that's what he is. He's he gave me the totally Ned Stark vibes. Um the main or or I'm assuming is the main protagonist in this. Um, Timothy Chamelet? I knew how Chalamet. to say it until you said that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Timothy Chalamet. Chalamet. All right,
2: tight. I-, I was hoping that was how you said that um as paul he was good too man you know i mean and we've seen a lot of these kinds of sci-fi movies before you know you got this character and he's got a a mysterious past and there's a destiny and there are things and you know there are things he can do there's something inside of him i don't know the force or something like that you know he's got these there are these innate abilities he's got to learn about him he's got to figure out where he fits in this puzzle and maybe he's not quite in the mindset, so yeah, he's that character um so like you know there are definitely familiar kind of I guess you could say trope or tropes or characters in this like like you just get the feeling that some of these characters feel familiar, but as the story is going through and it's world building and it's establishing kind of what's going on in this world. I found myself intrigued. Um, I I wasn't as bored, I guess, as you were, Sterling. And really visually, I I guess, and maybe some of that is, I'm glad I saw this in the movie theater. Because it is visually stunning. Like, this is the last thing I'll say about it. Like, just some of the compounds, the ships, and the sound editing. This is another movie that is a triumph of sound editing. Like, I am certain that come a war time, this will be one of those movies in there. For, like, sound editing, visual effects, stuff like that. Because that shit was on point. And the costumes... Some of them were weird. Some of them, you were like, why would a person wear that? (laughs) Some of them were super interesting. Or, you know, there was a woman with like a mask, but it had different like chains on it and stuff like that. And, you know, it's funny because they're all talking regular, just talking or they're talking about something serious. And I'm like, I can't stop looking at all the little ornaments on her mask. Like you fishnet mask. Yeah. Like that little fishnet chain thing that she had so like that that's what kind of movie this was with me you know i often caught myself just looking at what was on the screen visually so that was very appealing to um yeah And, and i guess that's all i'll say for now everything else i have to say is spoilery or you know gripes that i had about different things and stuff like that but overall um you know, th- this was fine. It's a sci-fi epic. I got what most of the characters were supposed to be. I got some good performances. And I think that the where it ends was a solid cliffhanger going into part two. So I left, you know, I, I left and enjoy- I enjoyed my experience with this. And I'm intrigued to see where this story goes.
1: What about you, Heather? What about you?
3: So, Justin, we're actually coming from the same perspective on this movie because I haven't seen the 1984 Dune, uh didn't read the book series anything. So, I didn't really know anything about this movie other than just it was apparently like a super huge deal the original. And so the remake so many people were excited about. <laughs> um as most people probably know, um, sci-fi is not like necessarily my favorite genre of movie. So sometimes it takes a little bit extra effort for me to want to see a sci-fi movie, really. Um, and you know, it, it's one of those where with this one, it, it was okay for me. I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it and I would probably not watch it again. Um, it was, it was very slow paced and it was a very long movie. And again, I think just because sci-fi for me takes a little bit more for me to get invested in in the first place, that was probably going to be how it was going to go no matter what for the most part with any sci-fi movie. Um, but it, the, the thing that kept me invested enough. Were the performances. And also, visually, you are right. I think it was really visually well done. I think it gave that the vibe it was going for of kind of that futuristic, um, you know, nomad type of, you know, sci fi feel to it. And um, it did look visually really cool. Um, The performances for me really were what kind of kept me invested because the storyline was only okay for me. It wasn't something that I was like really. Like, I really want to know what's going to happen here. I really want to know more about this and this. Um, but I think, yeah, the performances are really the thing for me that kind of made this more enjoyable than the story and the movie as a whole. Um, Timothy Chalamet is there, there's something, I don't know. I think there's something kind of special about his acting technique. I think he's just like any any performance I've seen him do. he brings something really interesting and relatable and just kind of real to what he's doing, where you just believe that he's really any character he's playing um I've seen him in a couple of other things, and I just I'm really impressed by his talent and he's so young, so I thought he was probably gonna be the best choice to play this role um I like Zendaya a lot. I'm, I'm a huge fan of her. And Rebecca Ferguson, I think, is great. The She played the mom. She's great. And Oscar Isaac. He is, I mean, he's great. There's some kind of uh, charisma and charm he brings to everything as well. And Jason Momoa is probably one of the most delightful people. So anytime he's in something, I want to watch it. So, yeah, I think just they, they did some really top-notch casting in this movie. And that really and there were some people in it I didn't actually even know were gonna be in it, like Dave Batista or David Batista. Um, you know, like I just I had no idea. And is it Stellen Skarsgard? I think was the Skarsgard that was in this one. <laughs> um
0: yeah, it's Papa yeah, Skarsgard. They,
3: yeah, Papa Skarsgard. And he's always great, like he's a real great actor. So, you know, I, I didn't know all of the cast, but I the cast I did know, I was like, okay. Sure. Maybe I'll like it more than I like some other things that are in this sort of category of movie. And it was just kind of okay for me still. Um, If it were lesser performances, I would have been completely bored, to be honest. (laughs) Sorry for Dune fans. I know there's a lot of Dune fans out there that love this movie. It's honestly, it's just, it's not that it's specifically, you know, bad sci fi. It's just, sci-fi in general I am going to have a harder time getting really into it. So, um but I do think that they brought some interesting elements to s- parts of the story that they were trying to develop. I just think they took a really long time to get there. Um and you know, again like I would say it probably picked up for me maybe about 15ish minutes in and um but I I, I do think that anytime that Paul Paul's character, Timothy Chalamet was on screen. I do think that he was kind of the, he kind of stole it from me. I just, I just think there's something real special about how he does acting, but, um, you know, Zendaya was underutilized, but again, I think that might've been on purpose, but yeah, it's, it's just, it it was just kind of a run of the mill. Like it's okay. Type of sci-fi. I do see the appeal of it for other people who are very much more into sci-fi films um you know, and for that I could say, yeah, I get why people like it. It's just one of those not my cup of tea situations for me. um I think maybe even I would even say like the act action parts of it, the fighting parts of it, I don't even really think were special or stood out in any sort of way they were kind of underwhelming for me, so. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those where I feel like it's the story that's sort of driving the movie um, more so than the action, or it's supposed to be that way, is what it feels like with this movie. But, yeah, e- in either case, most of the elements of the movie were underwhelming, except for the visual effects of it and the performances themselves. Otherwise, it was just really, like... I could go either way with it. Like, it again, it's probably not something I would watch again, but I, I don't, like, hate that I watched it, if that makes sense.
1: So I have a little bit more of a connection with
0: Dune than I guess you guys do. Uh, not because I read the books or anything like that. No, no, no. But I have seen the 1984 Dune. Um, And the problem I have with that movie is that movie is roughly around the same time length as this movie uh, except they tell the full story in that amount of time. Uh, Which you would think would mean that maybe it's like a faster paced movie because they get through way more story and stuff like that. No, it's just a narrative fucking mess. And it just jumps the fuck around constantly. Uh, Like I said, it's a David Lynch movie and I don't always enjoy the way David Lynch tells stories. Like I love the first season of Twin Peaks. And then the second season of Twin Peaks starts getting a little, little sketchy. And then whenever they did like Twin Peaks, you know, 20 years later, that was just a goddamn bonkers ass mess of just like 95 storylines And it tells them all fragmented as fuck. And then by the end of the series, you get resolution on maybe three of them. And you're still like, wait, what were the other two 90 fucking storylines then? Like, what was this mess? Uh, Dune is very much the same way. It just jumps the fuck around. Well, it doesn't jump around. It's just, it's very abrupt. It's like Paul gets to the desert. Now it's this. Now it's
1: this. Now it's this. End of the movie. You know what I mean? It doesn't, there's no narrative flow to anything. And it's also just very boring, too, because it's just a very flat movie. There's no
0: real dynamic performances. Like Sting is supposed to be a weird character. Now, the character Sting plays in the first Dune movie, we haven't seen yet. He shows up later. He'll be in part two. Um, but. It's just such a flat story the way David Lynch told it. Like, color palette, everything. It's just such a flat story with flat performances. So it's boring on that account. That it, it feels like a monotoned movie. You know, what is that comedian, Stephen Wright? You know, he's the one that just tells everything in that monotoned voice. It's very much that in movie sci-fi movie form.
1: And so you get into this Dune movie. And I do think visually, it is top-notch. This is probably one of the
0: more visually spectacular movies you'll see this year. And I'm not even necessarily talking effects. I'm just talking visuals in general. The way things are shot, the color palette, the costumes just everything they do in this movie is visually spectacular. Yeah. I slightly disagree with Jaston's sound design. I think that this is... It's better than Blade Runner 2049 was for me when it comes to a uh, Dennis Villanueva movie. Uh, Because I hated the sound design in Blade Runner 2049. The sound design in that movie... Ruined the movie for me, and I. Loved, oh, really? <laughs> I, loved, <laughs> I didn't know that. I loved Blade Runner. I hated Twenty Forty Nine because, like, characters would be talking, and then he would do that weird, like, sci-fi, fucking steamship, fucking brah. Like throughout the whole movie, it had that fucking. Yeah. And he would do that when characters are talking. And I'm like, I can no longer hear characters talking. So like so much of the movie, I'm trying to like read the lips of Ryan Gosling and Harrison Ford. Cause there's a fucking cruise liner behind them. And I'm just like, what the fuck is this? And like, you're in a movie theater for that one. And so it's like Dolby Digital 9.2 surround sound with big-ass fucking subwoofers that you can fucking feel those notes in your chest. And I'm like, you really prioritize that over the fucking dialogue that's going on? You're a bunch of assholes. I hated that so much. Um, And I hated Jared Leto in that movie, too. But that's a whole other thing. I don't necessarily blame... I, I think Jared Leto's a jack-off, so whatever. Um, but like the sound design in that movie made that movie unwatchable to me. I haven't even wanted to watch it in a lesser sound system with subtitles so I could understand it. I don't even want to do that because you fucked it up. Like I hated every aspect of that. Anyway, I do feel like this one is better. They made better choices in this movie when it came to stuff like that.
1: My problem with some of the sound design with it is that they still muddled the vocals a little bit too much for me at times when something was
0: going on. And I don't, I don't understand that choice. Like, you know, like any any sort of movement was happening on the screen with vocals, they would muffle the vocals a little bit. And I understand that that's maybe a more realistic approach to things. You know, that if you're in the middle of a scuffle or something, your vocals going to be various and whatnot. I get that that's realistic, but it's not practical in a movie. You know. I should still be able to understand what the fuck people are saying and not have to like fucking strain my hearing to do so. So I was disappointed in that aspect of it, but like I said, still infinitely more watchable than blade runner when it comes to sound design. And I wouldn't, I don't think even when I say all that, I'm not even going to necessarily agree disagree with you, Justin, that this wouldn't win the Academy Award for sound design. I still think it very much well could
1: because I will give it the benefit of some of the other things they
0: did with sound design does make the movie more dynamic than most movies you will have watched this year. Because movies do tend to be very monodynamic.
2: Yes. And to be fair, there were. I get what you're saying about the voices, though. Like the sound when it comes to voices, because there was a time or two where I did struggle to hear what characters were saying. And I was kind of like, uh, I didn't quite hear what she said. And I didn't know if it was like. The accent or was it or there were times where they were kind of whispering or it was very low and i was like i can't i can't hear, i couldn't quite hear what he said there or what she said there um but especially times where jessica and paul there was a conversation they were having, and I, I, I remember that scene specifically, but yeah, there was a time or two where I struggled to hear what characters were saying, so I do get some of that.
0: Yeah. But then, like I said, a lot of the other elements of the movie were very dynamic because of the sound. Um, I did love the way they did the sandworms when it came to the sound of when the sandworms yes. were
1: surfacing and stuff like that. That was impeccably done. Uh, but it's just to me, when you're having characters say words that aren't meant to be just
0: inaudible background shit. You know how movies do that. there'll somebody in another room yelling and you can't quite make things out. And that's intentional. Yeah. Totally get that. In- in-
2: indistinct chatter. Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah. But if your characters who are the focus of the scene are talking and I can't hear their words, that's bad. And I do hate also when it comes to whispering, specifically in movies, and it's something they've started doing more lately, and I fucking hate it. You can whisper and lower the volume of the voices, but still make it clear because of the way they talk, because you want, you want the tone of a whisper. You don't necessarily want the, you know, you can barely hear me aspect of it. You know, but you can do this where you can kind of like lower everything and you get that tone of a whisper. But you can still
1: very much hear what I'm saying in that. You can still do that. So movies, fix your shit.
0: Um, did I talk about the visuals? I talked about the visuals, right? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, Acting. I think the acting was spectacular in this. Mr. Moon Knight himself was fucking phenomenal. As he always is. Even in bad movies, he's the fucking best thing. Like, I hated X-Men 3 Apocalypse, or whatever the fuck that movie was called. Terrible movie. I'll be damned if Oscar Isaac went fantastic, though. He played a terrible character, though. I mean, the version of Apocalypse that they wanted to bring in that movie was straight Hellfire garbage.
1: But he left nothing on the table. He gave it his all you know
0: he took a character that was probably a 1 in the movie he's my all-time favorite x-men villain but like in the movie he's probably a 1 he brought him at least to a 3 just in sheer acting will alone he multiplied <laughs> yeah. the that character's appeal by 300% um rebecca ferguson was good uh timothy chalamet was good, I suppose. I mean, Paul's a weird character, so. um, I thought uh, Jason Momoa was fantastic, except, why the fuck did they have Duncan shave his beard? You're dumb for doing that? Because, let's just be real, he looks better with a beard, just saying. And also, what the fuck is with the name Duncan Idaho? You've got, like, and also Paul. What is with Paul? Everybody else in this. Duncan Idaho
3: sounds like a Western name. He sounds like Kmart Indiana Jones.
0: (laughs) He sounds you know that company that always makes those movies at the same time as everybody else, but it's just slightly different. Like instead of Transformers, it's like mutating robots, or
1: instead of Anaconda, it's Python. That movie company. It's he sounds like he's their version of Indiana Jones. Like instead of being Indiana Jones archaeology
0: professor, he's Duncan, Idaho, like archaeology, you know, writer or something like, (laughs) yeah, um, I there. I think there is a reason why he loses his beard randomly halfway through the movie. And we can talk about that because it's not really a spoiler. It kind of is, but it's not. Um, but I'll explain that later. Uh, who else was in this movie? Uh, Papa Skarsgård was was you know good. You know, like I said, it's Papa Skarsgård. I would say D. I would I would say Dave Batista's good, but he was also in the movie for like five fucking seconds. I don't know. I don't know if he was good. I'll say he was yeah. good because. Dave Bautista's is fairly a fucking solid actor. You know, so I'll say yeah. he was good. I just, I don't feel like he was in the movie enough for me to really say it, but whatever. We'll say he did. Um, Brolin, I thought, Bro- yeah, Brolin's good. Zendaya for all, I think she's in the movie a total of seven minutes, actually. Like if you start like a stopwatch for every time you see Zendaya and end it when she's off screen, I think she's on the screen for like six minutes and 57 seconds. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, so she was fine, I guess. You know, like, I won't judge her, really, because what is there to judge? I mean, I think it was smart to get an actress like Zendaya to play that role, hoping you'll get a sequel. Because in the sequel, she'll have way more of a role. And so if you already got a Zendaya on, on, on
1: deck for that role, that's, that's smart. That's a smart move. Yeah. Um but fuck this movie was so fucking boring. Dear God it was boring. I have never seen like an intergalactic planetoid battle that was
0: as boring as this movie. Fuck it was slow. Like just the way they filmed everything and the, even the hand to hand fighting scenes
1: to me were fucking boring. Boring. Like, the only fight sequence that I kind of enjoyed
0: was was the Brolin-Timothy Chalamet one when they were training at the beginning of the movie. I really liked that one because Brolin brought some intensity to that scene. Oh, man, that man was just oozing intensity. And I feel like the rest of the movie didn't have that. It just, those those fight sequences and battle sequences just limped on. And I know that this isn't a movie that's necessarily supposed to live or die by something like that. You know, it is, it is very high concept sci-fi. So, it doesn't, it, you know, not everything has to have an action sequence. I get that. But if you're gonna have them, do good. Don't, like, this movie just drug. I know, Fat Boy, I agree. The movie was boring. My cat agrees with me. Um, it just drugs so much. And I do think that there was a lot of inconsistencies when it comes to some of the things like the shields and stuff like that. We'll get more into that in the, the spoilers because I do have some, some info that's not in the movie that's in the books that might help explain the shields. That if you're not going to get now, like, I just think it'd be good for people to know. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going to go back and explain this in the second movie. You know what I mean? It's not going to be, a, you know, something like that. Um, But I just... This movie just had no pace to me. Just none whatsoever. And Villanueva, I think, can do pace very well. I don't necessarily... Like, he, he did it better in Blade Runner 2049. He just that so much other things in that movie but like he's done it before an arrival i thought
1: arrival was fantastic like top to bottom um he did the first cesario
0: which has great action set pieces with benicio del toro yep.
1: and emily blunt
2: yeah that's a real good movie
1: yeah right it is same director Um, He also directed one of Heather's favorite movies, *Prisoners*,
3: Mm.
1: and that
0: had a that was intense. And that has a very (laughs) tense pace to it. You know, this guy knows how to do pacing. I think sometimes he gets caught up, especially with these last two movies. He just gets caught up in the idea of sci-fi epic, and he lets that kind of be the idea of being grandiose. Because of that,
1: kind of make his pacing a little awkward. You know, I think he wants it to be big. So,
0: in doing so, he makes it so big that you can't can't get it moving like you should. And I mean, I I hope maybe that's just a part one problem, and because this isn't a spoiler or anything, but part two should have more action to it. It is like there's just it's battles like there's battles that you know emperor all there's shit you know and so I hope that maybe in that movie maybe they will fix some of the problems maybe this one was slow because it needed to be because you needed to get to a certain point
1: to where in two they can just unleash hell maybe that's it but I don't know so we haven't seen it yet so, I can
0: only go off it being boring. So, so boring. Now, I will say this. There's enough in this movie when it comes to acting and visuals and all this other stuff. I didn't really go for my phone that much. I think I did once or twice. But it wasn't like a thing. It'd be like I'd check my phone and send a text real quick or something. You know? Something like that. I wasn't like, oh, let me just jump on Reddit instead of watching this. It wasn't like that, at least. You know? there's at least enough going on with the movie and stuff like that. It can it can at least keep your attention that way. You know? Because for every boring thing you get, you might get a
1: sandworm, and I love the way those sandworms look in this movie. They did a fantastic job on those sandworms. They seem a
0: lot more grand than in the 1984 one. Because in the 1984 one, they look big, until you see them out of the sand like when they're not in the sand and then you're like then that's not that big so they had problems with scale but in this one I think they did a fantastic job with the worms really enjoyed those and that is one of the most iconic things about Dune are the sand worms so holy fuck we've gone 40 minutes and haven't even moved on Uh, recommendations of course
1: Recommendations. recommendations
0: And score. Oh, I fucked that up. Uh, Heather, go. <laughs>
3: um, I mean, I I will say I would recommend it for people who are very much fans of epic sci-fi films. Um, if you did like the original, my understanding is that this one's even better. So if you liked that one, watch this one. Um, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I can see the appeal of it, so I recommend it to sci-fi movie fans. Um, for me personally, like I said, I think it was um, really long and kind of slow-paced, and just not really, it wasn't interesting enough for me and how they did the story as a whole for me to really, really like this film. Um, there were elements to it and there were parts to it that, that were good. Um, but really for me, it was just okay. Um, I'm really on the fence with this one because part of me is like, you know, it deserves at least like half, but I know that I would never watch it again. (laughs) Um, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it 50, um, recurring dreams of Zendaya's character Out of a hundred.
1: What about you, Justin?
2: Yeah. So, um, you know, I just think that for anybody that's going to watch it, understand that this is not, you're not getting a complete film. This is part one of two, you know, the implication being that there is a second part that goes with this story. So I think that you have to go in with that understanding like you have to go in under knowing that you are only getting part 1 of a full story. So with that being said by nature of it being part 1, it is very much some of those things that you said earlier Sterling it's 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 going to be I think that it it's slow it's slower paced by design because it's world building. It's establishing characters, it's establishing locations, it's establishing uh, where you're going to be, what the conflict is, and things like that. And that's kind of what this movie is, essentially. It establishes all these things. It establishes all these characters. It establishes these locations and things like that. Then at the end of the movie, I think, is really where it gets intense. And then it's pretty much kind of, once it builds and builds and builds, that last half hour or so of the movie is pretty much nonstop and we're being chased and we're on the run and we're doing all these different things. And then it kind of ends at a certain point where I think, okay, you know, by the end of it, I was intrigued to see part two. So I think you have to understand that going in. But I think that, you know, you know, if you if you're out there and you're kind of hungering for some sci-fi type of stuff. This definitely delivers in that. It's going to have that visual look. It's got a good cast that we've all agreed does some great acting. Visually, I think it looks impressive. It's, it's pretty enough to the eyes to kind of keep you invested in the story. And then if you're going to, you know, um, and then I think if you go in understanding that this is part one of two, I think you can accept where it ends and be like okay well i'll see what the whole story is before i completely you know put the gavel down and judge what it is and i and i think that most people uh will arrive to that once you see part 1 you know and and i think that you know especially coming off of watching Halloween kills where that was another film that was kind of a a film that was sort of in had an incomplete fill into it because it it, it it it's operating on the sense that we know that there's going to be a second one there's going to be a part 3 but whereas that film felt just so incomplete there were so many ideas that just weren't really um weren't explored it didn't have it had it it, it was directionless it just had so much going on in it that was so uninteresting i thought this dune was a complete 180 to that you know as far as quality visually what was happening storytelling what was happening um By the end of this, I understood things that I didn't understand when the movie started, and I and I felt like I understood where the story had to go. I knew the plight that the characters was were in. I knew the desperate situation, and I felt like okay, I know what these characters need to do to advance this story. And you know, that's more than I can say for the last continuation movie we watched. So maybe some of it is that too. Maybe I'm a little higher on it because I just watched something that I know was bad. So when I watch this, like it's like, how could this possibly be bad after watching that, you know? So maybe some of it is that, but overall, um, yeah, I I think that this did what it needed to do for a part one film. It did what it needed to do. It built the world. It established the characters It established the conflict And then it kind of tried to give, pick it up and give you something at the end to try to look forward for. And I thought all that was effective for me. Uh, So for me, we're going to go 80 um, sandworm swallowing giant tanks as our, our valiant heroes try to escape out of 100.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean if you're a
0: die hard sci fiist, I see the point in this movie. Go ahead and watch it. A lot of people apparently have. Apparently this movie had more views on HBO Max than uh Zack Snyder's Justice League did on the same weekend.
1: So people are watching Dune. They are. Um but, oh, it's a,
0: it's a slog. It is. It's a lot to get through. Uh, just be prepared to be confused by a lot. Especially if you're not used to sci-fi and fantasy things. Or they just kind of say some words and expect you through context clues to completely understand it by the end of the movie.
1: Because they give you no chances in some of these things. But... I mean, oh, God, I was bored, though. And that's where I'm on the fence. Because I can't necessarily say I had a good time watching it. But I can't necessarily
0: say that, like, I don't understand why other people enjoyed it. Because they do. Maybe they're more patient than I am. You know? I did feel like there were a lot of parts in this movie that might've been a little unnecessary. And I feel that I, mean, I I say that I feel that about every movie that's like over two hours long. I'm like, just cut 40 minutes out. Fuck off. Like, that's like my default self-defense mechanism to long movies is just, why is it so long? So maybe that has some of it to do with me that like, It's very hard for me to enjoy long movies, especially ones that feel this long, but it is better than the 1984 Dune. It still doesn't make me ever want to read the books, though, but I'll
1: probably watch Dune 2 more Dune. I guess I'll weirdly give it a little bit better than Heather. I'll give this 57. Sandworms with kick-ass teeth just
0: munching on shit. I really loved that scene with the doc and she hits the ground and draws it to them just to kill those other guys too.
2: That was a good scene. Yeah, that was cool. I liked that scene. So I give and the it way that the teeth would just appear out of the sand. Yeah. Suddenly. That yeah. was always cool. Yeah. So I'll give it
1: 57 of those scenes out of 100. Uh, spoilers. Yes. Do you. Spoilers. spoilers. I did it right that time and waited for you guys.
0: Um. <laughs> spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. This movie, oh man! In the first movie, the 1984 one, it feels a little bit worse. But like, I I love them, I love a TV series when they kind of throw you in the middle of a world and they tell you to play catch up. I love that in a TV series because you got like ten episodes to do it and to grow and understand all that. I'm not necessarily a fan of it when you've just got a couple hours to like mentally comprehend their fucking like like lexicon real quick like it just it does not work always especially when they keep some dialogue in the movie that's from the book at that point but maybe the book had explained it through narration but you don't get that in the movie like there's a scene and it's a scene that bothers me in the 1984 one the scene that bothers me in this one at the, so it's at the end of this movie it's like two-thirds of the way through the 1984 one when paul and his mother get to the the Freeman. and the freemen are like gonna kill them but you know they do some shit and they're like oh you fight in the weirding way we didn't know you could fight like that teach us the weirding way and all i could ever think both times is what the fuck does that mean?" Like I get it that it's supposed to be that bit age as it bullshit. If you know the control through speech and the speech powers and whatnot. But like, I know that cause I've seen the first Dune, so I know what they're referring to cause I've seen what follows. You know what I mean? I've seen what they call the weirding way when they're teaching it to other people. You know, I've seen that part of a movie. You don't get that in this movie. And that's not really a spoiler. That's just an explanation of a word. But I hate how they did. They did the same thing in this movie. It makes even less sense in this movie because then the movie ends like five fucking minutes after that. Like I and then like what is it like the Kishore Maga or whatever the fuck it is that is the savior person. That's obviously going to be Paul because you know. It's Paul. Yeah. And also is that not the worst name for a savior ever? ever Paul. Would you ever feel safe with a Paul? If you're sitting there and you're surrounded by enemies and it's you and Paul,
1: do you really think it's not going to be just you fighting everybody? <laughs> like, that is the most stupid name ever. You've got these fuckers named like True Fifth and,
0: you know, well, Duncan Idaho, that is the worst. But like, there's like True Fifth and. And the Baron, and you know, all these fucking like
1: cool ass names. And then there's Paul.
2: You know what just dawned on me? I think it's biblical. You know what I mean? You know, I what, think it's what are you kind talking of... about,
0: Justin? There's just no way at all that this is one gigantic Jesus allegory. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like,
3: yeah. That that's you saying what the name too though, right? Like the name of Paul and yeah. saving yeah. the people, and, yeah,
2: and kind of how he was, you know, reluctant. He didn't kind of he didn't want the destiny, but kind of came into it and was called to it, and yeah, eventually accepts it and stuff like that. So there are those things. Yeah, and of course the savior analogy and stuff like that. But yeah,
0: I mean, I won't spoil anything. But all I'll say for everybody out there for part two of
1: Dune, get ready for more Jesus. Just all <laughs> of the Jesus. This the Dune the in it.
0: Dune is more of a Jesus allegory than fucking Lion Witch in the Wardrobe.
1: It gets so heavy handed with just Jesus Savior allegory. So
0: just buckle up for that. I won't say with how or anything like that, but it's so much Jesus. Oh my god. No pun intended. Um I mean, and don't get me wrong, I do like me a good Jesus allegory movie. One of Justin's all-time favorite movies is a fantastic Jesus allegory with RoboCop. Yep. And I know there are some motherfuckers out there wanting to say RoboCop's not a Jesus
1: allegory. Go watch that movie again. That movie's about Jesus. I mean, he's a murdering cop Jesus, but it's Jesus nonetheless. It makes it no less Jesus.
2: I mean, yeah, it's definitely got some of those things in there, you know, him dying and being revived and, you know, the the conflict of what to do and giving up the 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 more humanly part of himself because of duty and. You know, he's got these three things, these tenets that he has to live by. Yeah, I mean, there are definitely some comparisons that can be made. It may not come to everybody um, automatically when you see that film, but there are definitely some parallels.
0: Well, and it also helps that the writer-director said it's a Jesus allegory. (laughs) Like, it helps with that, Oh, yeah
2: yeah <laughs> oh yeah of of course but you no, know no, just what, for a, a person who yeah is watching it well, you know it may not jump out at you but but i mean yeah. to me it's done in a smart way it's a
0: it's very subtle with it but it's like all the features of jesus are there you know like you mm-hmm. like let alone the sacrifice of his body and all this other stuff there's the sacrifice of himself like like you said sacrificing his humanity to well, they shrink everything down. It's to save Detroit. You know? Like, he sacrifices the little humanity he has left to help save the people of Detroit. I understand it's not the world, but it, they, they shrink it down. You know? It's very much, it's all over it. Um, Like, I... Like, the shields in this movie, too, drove me nuts. Like, I do have some explanations behind the shields, like of how they work and stuff like that. I've done a little research. So, like, the the concept of these shields in this movie are based on the idea that they use the same type of energy or force or mechanism, whatever you want to call it, that atoms use to repel off each other, you know, so they don't collapse in on each other. The shield does the same thing and you can set all these frequencies and stuff like that, but you have to be careful because you can make the shield where it's so repellent that like oxygen can't get into it and you die, you know? And so you can change frequencies and stuff like that. And that's why like the preferred setting that most people have it on is the one that allows for a slow, thing to pass through it and anything faster than that to get repelled. Uh, And then there's also, there's, there's a thing and, and I'm 99% sure it's not in the movie. You can't shoot a shield with a laser, even though they have laser guns, because if you do, it causes a reaction that just makes everything around it explode. Like, yeah, you'll kill the person you're shooting with the laser. You'll kill yourself too, though. Like, the reaction it causes because of that. Uh, so, like, it's designed in that way that, it, you know, you want a, a high enough frequency to stop most things, but you want to slow it, like, you want to slow it down a little bit to allow air to pass through. But I felt like they were drastically inconsistent in this movie. Um, Because there's lots of scenes where motherfuckers be getting cut through their shields. And I'm like, that did not look like a slow, deliberate strike. That very much looked like every other strike people be throwing, you know? So I just, I found that wildly inconsistent in this movie when I thought it could be something very unique because part of the lore of Dune with this stuff is the fact that like, there's like a fencing style, like a, Sword fighting style that was developed to fight with shields. You know, to allow, you know, you you can control what strikes go through and what don't because of what you're doing with it. But like when they implemented it in the movie, it just seemed like everything was the same. Like when Duncan Idaho is walking down the hall killing people, it's like he's slashing them and it doesn't go through, but then he like turns around and like stabs them from behind real fast. And they, then it goes through, and I'm like, how is that any different in speed or whatever? You know what I mean? It didn't feel like it was a different technique or something to get through the shield. It just felt like when they wanted strikes to be deadly, they made them deadly. And I think it would have been cool if they kept to the idea that it's a unique fighting style that helps you with that. And that, you know, then you would have fighters like Duncan and the Josh Brolin character. I can't remember his name off the top of my head that they were so proficient at that fighting style that that's what made them so feared and deadly because everybody has these shields so like that would be interesting but they they didn't do that and I never understood what was going on like why were those darts able to get through that made no sense to me because I feel like there'd be no difference in velocity from one of those darts than somebody just running and stabbing somebody with a sword. In fact, I'd feel like a dart projectile being launched like that would be faster than somebody stabbing with a sword. So that makes no sense to me. I mean, it made sense in the Duncan scene when they shot him with the dart because his shield did slow it down enough for him to knock it away. But then why wouldn't Oscar Isaacs have done that? If it would have hit him with more velocity, you'd think that the shield would be more effective. So that makes no sense to me. I did not understand that in the context of this movie. And I feel like I don't know if knowing what the deal is with the shield versus not knowing if that helps or hurts. Like, do I hate those scenes more because I know the knowledge of the shield? Did you, were you guys more okay with them before I told you the deal with the shields? Or were you just as confused, but then now okay
1: because you know. It's, I don't know, it's perplexing. I still didn't like it in the movie, though. Um. Oh, man, I'm now struggling. I've got,
0: like, I know something about the sequel, and I don't know if I should say it or not. Like, I feel like I can, but then I, would do, do people want to be surprised? But then I don't think
1: they would actually keep this a surprise. So, like, How about this? I'm going to play a noise. And if you don't want to hear what I'm going to say
0: afterwards, just don't listen for 10 seconds and then come back. I promise (laughs) 10 seconds is all I'll take. And this applies to you, Justin and Heather. Okay. Play a noise. Look at your mixer and wait 10 seconds and come back. If you don't want to hear what I'm about to say about the second movie, everybody ready? One, two, three. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hopefully, no one's listening. Duncan Idaho will be back because they clone him, and I think that's why he doesn't have his beard in this one. All right, I'm
1: back. Everybody back. I'm done. Told my little thing. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Were you Were you away, Justin? Yeah. Well, good. 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 I'm you
3: good. were away. I was not.
0: <laughs> I don't like. I don't know if it's a spoiler or not. But I think it makes sense in the context of this movie. I don't know, but if if I'm confirmed right, we'll know by a trailer. By the time the trailer happens for Dune Two, keep on Dunning. We'll know if I'm right, and then I can talk <laughs> about it more. Um, yeah, just so much of this movie with with stuff like that just made no sense to me. I. D- there was that one scene when they're on the helicarrier with after the or the orthropter orthropter Um after the uh, after the dad's murder by the doctor and they're on there and the mom's like signing to him and she's like he's deaf. I don't know why that mattered. That made little to no sense to me unless they were trying to say like you won't be able to use your voice powers against him because he's deaf. Maybe that was it. I don't know. That was weird. Oh, yeah. I, maybe. Maybe that's just me logically going there. And the movie didn't really have a point. I don't know. Uh, but also, like, with when, when the doctor was killed, was that also not the most obvious thing in the world? Like, that the Baron was going to murder him? when he's like, yes, yeah. I promised you and your wife would go free. Or you'd go free just like your wife and then murder him. Like, that's the most obvious thing in the world. I don't necessarily hold it against this movie. It's just, that's kind of a dumb trope. To where you make a promise with a bad guy for somebody to be, like, lit free. And it's always, with letting free is them being murdered. Like, I
1: feel like that's been every version of that situation yeah. since movies from 1915. Mm-hmm. and then there's
0: one last thing that I wanted to specifically talk about, and of course it slipped my mind right before I got to it. But, I don't know, maybe I'll remember it later. Maybe you guys talking will remind me of it. Oh, yes. And this adds to why I, I was just so absurdly bored by the action set pieces in this movie. So there's a scene where Duncan Idaho is going to like get on orthropter and there's like a bunch of Harcurians or whatever the fuck they're called between him and that. And he kills like three of them. And then he's like running at the other three and he's like, it's time devil dogs or whatever the fuck he said. And then those three guys just kind of jog away and let him get on the ship. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Like. It wasn't like they were like, oh, no, he's so intense. They just went, time for a light jog. And just, like, power walked away. It was so weird. And it was obvious they did that so they didn't have to choreograph another fight scene. But then they didn't play it like it was something like, oh, no, the Harkurians are scared of Duncan. Like, it's just, oh. It just added to, like I said, like, just the unepicness of the fucking battles in this movie like everybody was like running at each other at just like a brisk walk and then just like running into each other and shit it just ugh. I felt no intensity in anything after that point even the final fight of the movie it felt no intensity in that scene
1: It just felt like we were going through the motions to just end it. And it's just so
0: disappointing in that regard. Like I said, movies don't need action set pieces to move them forward. But if you're going to have action set pieces, have them fucking make your movie go forward. seems like the most obvious thing in the world to say. Um, Heather, what about you? What are your spoilery thoughts on Dune?
1: 2021 part one.
3: Yeah. I mean, for me, I I think that a big thing with it is lots of it seemed a little bit predictable in, in my opinion, at least with the fate of some of the characters and things like that. Like, um, you know, Oscar Isaac's character. I, I just had a feeling that he was going to die and Jason Momoa's character. So it it just it felt like some of the the way forward with the stories, you know, I feel like it was a little bit predictable, which is fine. I mean, that doesn't take away from any of it in the movie. It's just yeah, it, it was just kind of like nothing was really a surprise or a twist or anything like that. Um a big complaint I have too is like I think that that, that fight scene between Paul and I think his name was Jamis. Um, at the end, when, you know, he's he's got to, like, prove that he's worthy or whatever it is, that was such an anticlimactic <laughs> fight for me. I just, it, my I feel like any of the fighting is just, it was very basic, very underwhelming, and, you know, like, nothing about any of the fighting really stood out, except for kind of like what you said at the beginning with... Josh Brolin's character and him like doing the training. That's the that was probably the best fighting in this entire movie and that was at the very beginning. So that that was just kind of a big thing with it. Like I know it's it's not necessarily like action, it's more sci-fi, but I just feel like it, the the action pieces of it and the the fighting pieces of it were really underwhelming compared with the rest of what was going on in the movie. I mean, I guess in general, the movie is a little bit underwhelming because I think it was slow, but that specific piece of it, I was just like, you've got this beautiful movie, you know, and you've got this, these really great um, visuals and all these things to set it up to be like, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like, even though the fighting wasn't supposed to be any sort of like primary part of it, I really expected more from it, I guess. And I don't know why, but that was just kind of where my mind went. I was like, oh, that was it? That was the fight? Okay. <laughs> and even with um Duncan Idaho's character, yeah, it's kind of like, what was that? <laughs> so I think that that was kind of like, th- there were just a lot of parts of it that were just kind of like, okay, that, that was the thing that happened. Um but I mean again there were some good parts with it like I actually really liked the dynamic between Paul and his dad um and I really liked the the dynamic between his Paul and his mom you know and her just kind of being this um you know in secret trying to like train him in in the weirding way and all of these things but um just that conflicting sort of relationship they have where he's like you made me a freak but at the same time this is probably why i'm able to survive and i I did like that dynamic that they had um throughout the movie and sort of how they were they were kind of the two main focuses of it for the latter half because of you know trying to go on this journey and survive and figure out what's going on and um Yeah, so I I did enjoy that piece of it as well. Um, Yeah, I just think that a lot of it is, again, like sort of like what you said, Sterling. With there should be things that move the movie forward. (laughs) I feel like I feel like a lot of the plot points in this whole movie were just kind of there, but they it didn't really. I mean, and it is. I guess what Jason said makes sense, though, because it's like you, you have to think of it as if it's just like it's just the first part of this movie. So a lot of characters, um, you don't get a lot of that, like, you know, Dave Bautista and Zendaya and all these people that they're definitely most likely playing a bigger part in the second film. Um, and so it was kind of like this was just sort of like an introduction to them and sort of an introduction into, you know, this journey that we're about to go on. Like, there's a lot more craziness that's about to happen. So you do have to look at it that way. And to be fair, I didn't actually know that this was kind of a two-part thing until I was watching and this is part one, you know, Dune part one. So, and and, and maybe that was part of it too, is like that that was just like a very last minute thing that I knew was was happening. Um, but I, I, it's it's just one of those where like there's not anything specifically. That I'm like, well, that's just stupid. This movie is dumb. This movie, it, it doesn't make sense. Like there are confusing things. Like what also Sterling said about kind of language that they use and things they're talking about. Like they don't give you a whole lot of background on some of that. But as far as what actually takes place in the movie. It's not. It's not that hard to really know what's happening. It's just a matter of like, okay, well, let's get on with it, or let's do something with this that makes it a little bit more interesting. You know, um, there were no super exciting moments. Like even even when things start to kind of come to a head, and like the the father dies and things like that, it's like, oh, well, that just happened. Okay, and. But it's just nothing that's really. It didn't grab my attention in the way of like, oh my goodness, what is happening right now? Like it was just like, oh, well, this is weird, you know. Like (laughs) that's just kind of the the vibe that it gave me throughout. Um, But it's it's just I'm in such a weird, conflicting place with my thoughts on this because it wasn't like I I wasn't watching. Like it was like I was still kind of intrigued enough to be like, huh, this is curious i wonder i wonder what this means or what they're going to do with this but it wasn't like that excitement type of thing i don't know if that makes sense but it it was just kind of like i i want to see how they're going to finish this out i want to see how they're going to finish this this plot point or this scene but i'm not like oh my goodness that was the most amazing thing i've ever seen so it's just a really weird like place for me to be in and to sort of preface what i was saying earlier about you know it's not my cup of tea things like that i don't hate all sci-fi movies <laughs> like that's not at all what it is it's just there it's probably the genre of movie that i watch the least it's never usually my preferred like hey you know what i want to watch a sci-fi movie right now that's not typically where my mind goes so it's not like i hate all sci-fi movies or anything like that it's just especially with stories like this if you're going to make them this long and this drawn out and make it a two-parter or whatever it is, I I just want a little bit more that's making me involved and invested. And I was really on the edge of investment kind of the entire time. So really that's my issue with it is like they could have knocked off maybe 30 minutes of it. And that would have been a really, I think great time frame for this movie however i understand that there's so many different things setting up the next movie and that's why they kind of had this long runtime like they did but um i i really did like the look of the movie um when you said the color palette that was actually really perfectly said because that's what i was thinking when i when i talked about how it's got this um like you know, like it's got that futuristic feel and vibe to it. And, and I think that color palette and that kind of thing really did it. And it, it fits with the whole theme of like, you know, they're, they're in the desert and all this stuff. So it, it really did have all of those really good elements. Like visually it is very pleasing, but it's unfortunately, it just wasn't enough for me to really. Feel like, yeah, this is top of my list of things that I want to watch. Um, but it's it's just weird because like I don't there's nothing specifically that I'm like, you know, like you, you hear about these movies where it's like, well, this doesn't make sense as far as killing this person because this and this and this. It's not anything like that. Like everything they did, I'm like, okay, I get why you're doing it. But it, it was just more of like not. <laughs> It wasn't as easy to follow as I would have liked it to be, if that makes sense. So it, that's kind of where I sit with it. Um, and, and that's just sort of, it, it just wasn't a story that mattered to me or made me care enough to, you know, and, and you're right. Like thinking about it, you're like, yeah, it is a Jesus allegory. I totally get that thinking back on it. I, I, but I wasn't thinking that in the movie for some reason, other than the points when they're just like, you're going to be the savior, things like that. That's the only time when I was like, oh, okay. But the rest of the story and how it was going, that wasn't my first thought. Um, so I don't know. I just, I feel like they, they had so many things that they, they had to do to set up this movie so that, you know, what's happening next, that, It just kind of lost me because it was so long and they had so many different things that they needed to do in this movie. They're like, okay, well, this thing just happened. Oh, and now we have moved on to this next crazy thing that needs to happen or strange thing that needs to happen. And yeah, so it was just very mundane, I guess is a better word for it.
1: All right, Justin, what about you? Yeah,
2: so... um. So I guess we've already kind of all talked about, it seems like we all appreciated similar things about it, just as far as the visuals and the the acting and different things like that. I mean, I guess really just where some of my gripes come from is just, um, it felt like certain characters didn't get more, didn't get the character development they needed and i feel like other characters did like other characters i kind of understood who they were and the motivations and stuff like that obviously paul and jessica and stuff like that but the but these uh harkening people um i just uh you know i get that they were evil and they look evil and they look mean and you know there was a scene at the beginning where batista was like why are we giving everything to why are we giving our land and this to these people and stuff like that and you know um the the godfather harkening was kind of like um scars was kind of like well not every gift is really a gift and you know we've got this plan and we've got this ulterior motive and all this stuff like that well i mean how did this race of people, these harkonnens and stuff. I mean, how did they get like this? Like, is there anything beyond just like all the cliche dark things that an evil person is supposed to be? You know, I don't like I'm evil because evil characters. And I feel like maybe this is all these people will be. It's just kind of, you know, they'll just, I just wonder, are, are there any other layers? To the Harkonnens, other than just that, I mean, I I get that they were there, and they cultivated this land, and they, they, they lived off the spices, and they became very rich, and, you know, it explained all of that, but... I still didn't feel like I really got a sense of why they are like this. Like, why are they so evil? Why are they choosing to make these choices? Different things like that. It just seemed like greed, power hungry. And that's cool. But I just like a little bit more with my villains. And I wonder if any of that, you know, and I mean, obviously, this is a part one. So and and that's why this movie is hard. I just don't want to say, oh, th- this is bad or this is good or this is bad because I honestly I haven't read any of this these books I haven't seen the original movie so I don't know you know I could get some more explanations about the Harkenings and get a little more understanding about what their mindset is you know maybe that happens through the Batista character that we saw you know maybe um, Scars go well, Harkening you know maybe they do explain a little bit more about him and different things like that. But as it stands, I just, you know, watching this, it just felt like I'm evil because I'm evil and I'm doing evil things and I'm evil and dark. Watch me float, (laughs) you know, menacingly (laughs) and different things like that. And I was like, okay, cool. He's got powers. Where did he get his powers? You know, so I'm just hoping that some of this is explained. Well, with this, Justin, I mean,
0: uh, the him floating is just because of that thing, his spine, that glowy spine thing he has that makes him float. Um, like, well, with with this movie, like the way I look at the Harkonnens, because I know what it is in the original movie with the Harkonnens, but I don't know if that is the accurate story to the books. I don't know if that's the story it's going to tell in this movie. You know what I mean? Because the amount of time that this movie is, is about two thirds of the original movie. So what we see in this is like two thirds of the original movie, maybe 55% because I don't want to say the entire third act, but you know what I mean? Uh, -hmm. I don't. So I. I mean, I honestly can't tell you if we get an explanation behind the Arcanins or anything like that, or or I don't think it. it Maybe people that read the books can, but like movie wise, I don't know if we're ever going to get that. But with this, like, what I tried to do with this movie is, I I was trying to focus on what is just in this movie though, because like I said, we didn't get a for sure. This is getting a number two till yesterday. So for all we knew. When we watch this movie, at least... I mean, I guess you watched it maybe after that. I don't know when you watched it. But, like, when I watched this movie, it was up in the air. So, I tried to just view everything in this movie as... The case is... This is it. Until I see the next one. You know what I mean? hmm Like... Because, yeah, there's going to be more, but... If there's not... What if something happens and it's development hell and it never happens? What if Dune 2 just never ends up happening? It wouldn't be the first time that's happened in movies. And this is it. So then at that point, do we still just consider this movie a part one? I know that's what it was meant to be. But if it happens and the next one never
1: comes out, this is it. So is it a part one at that point? Um, th- that's interesting. I
2: mean, yeah, you know, it, w- it would suck at this point if something did happen like that, because, yeah, then you really are just left with something that's incomplete and something where you wish you would have understood a couple of character motivations. You know, you, you feel like, you, and, and that's what I guess the conflict with me is. I... Are we purposely leaving these things out because we are going to explain them later? Or are we leaving these things out because we didn't feel that they were important? It's only important that you understand Paul's motivation and Jessica and the Freeman and people like that. The The hearkenings are just here because they just need to be beaten at the end. You know, if, if that is the mindset, then I do think that is a misstep. But if the mindset, and that's kind of where I'm, the conflict in me is, but if the mindset is, well, you'll, you'll, you'll get a little bit more in that because the Freeman are going to be able to explain that relationship better or something that these characters discover is going to um, better help Paul understand where he fits in all of this. And maybe part of that has to do with the Harkonnens and where they fit in the puzzle. And that's how we learn more about him because Paul has to learn more about him to understand his destiny, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. You know? But 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 yeah, but but where it is and where it is in this movie, to me, that's what felt like it was missing the most of and like at first it felt like I was going to kind of get that because you know at first the movie's kind of skipping around a little bit like we start and it establishes okay this is this is the planet we're on this is what has happened up to this point so the Harkonnens left and now we are here with uh, with Oscar Isaac and Paul and these people and this is who's on is inhabiting this planet now but the Harkonnens are coming back and so when it went to the Harkonnens you know we get uh Batista shouting we get um the the main Harkonnen going. Harkonnens well. You know this is all part of the plan. Well, I mean w- why are we doing this? you know i I just i so I was like, okay, well, I get okay, so there's a plan, there's a nefarious plot. I'm sure that we are going to be- vi- visiting the Harkening several times, and I'm going to find out more about this, and that didn't quite happen. You know, the, the, the other scenes that I got just were them being menacing or them being dark or once they got there and they kind of Pearl Harbored, you know, Oscar Isaac and Paul and all of these people. Once the Pearl Harbor kind of happened, then they were just doing more menacing things. So. I just never got that, and I guess maybe that's why it sticks out as a problem to me. Because it seemed like we were going to get that, kind of like how you guys alluded to the fighting and how that that opening training scene with um with Josh Brolin, um and Paul was a very good scene, and it looked like okay, man, it looks like this fighting style and 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 fighting with these shields and these weapons and stuff. It's going to be complex. It's going to be kind of a visual feast and we're going to get, um, even more complex fighting sequences and stuff coming up and how we kind of just didn't get that. Well, that's how I felt with the character development of the villains. It felt like I was going to get more of it. And then I just kind of did not. And even though I got the development of all these other things, it that felt like something. That I wonder if I'm going to get. And I guess that's why it sticks out in my mind as a problem. Like the Freeman, the Sam People. I know I'm going to get more about them. I know I'm going to find out more about them and their traditions and stuff like that. I know because the characters are with them. Our main characters are with them. We're going to find out more about them. So that I'm not worried about. I think them being mysterious added. To the lore and added to my intrigue of the story but i don't know if the villains being mysterious like that added to it i guess is what i'm trying to say and if what you say is correct then i am that makes me kind of afraid for part two i'm like man dude will i get that or did the writing or did the Or when this was written, did they feel that that was important enough? Well, obviously, in the books, I'm sure, um, everything's elaborated on in a book, but I hope that these directors and the, and the screenwriters felt the need to do that here because I find you talking about boring, I find villains like that boring. And sometimes when you have, kind of an epic like this where it's two opposing groups of societies and they're warring with each other and stuff like that oftentimes the 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 good side gets kind of you get the coddling of the good side with all the development and their motivations and stuff like that and the bad side oh we don't want to really talk about them very much because you're going to see them die so we don't want you caring about them because they're just going to be dead you know And I hope that that's not the direction this is going, but I just fear that it might be. So I just thought that I would at least bring up how it was making me feel. I just wanted more, a little more development and character motivation from those characters. So, yeah, Um just, and, and like, you know, just other things like that, that I just hope, you know, really, and that's where I really stand. Like, with this, everything else, I just feel like was making sense. You know, the, when they establish the sandworms, and, you know, there are certain things that they establish, and they do pay those things off uh, later. Uh, to your point about the later fights and everything, I do agree with you guys on that. Like, I do, I don't think that any of the fights were like memorable in that way they were passable you know they were they were fine but yeah i do agree that there was nothing there wasn't a standout fight you know we're in the future so it'd be cool to see some cool looking weapons or some cool looking fighting styles and things like that and who knows maybe we will get that with the freeman maybe we will get that with the sand people um one of the visions paul had one of those where well, he was watching a sand person fight. And I mean, this guy was flipping over people and coming in and out of the sand and doing all of this cool stuff. Maybe we will get cooler fights and conflict um, in part two. But I also get your point that that wasn't in here. So yeah, you know, in here, um, and and then whenever, before they got Pearl Harbor. Um, the the Harkonnens had that doctor disable the shields. So I know that that was the reason why they were able to invade Paul's people in the first place. But like you said, Sterling, with the body shields and how a person can be targeted or how a person can penetrate them and stuff like that, I agree that that wasn't really made clear. Now, I I don't know. and, And whenever the doctor disabled the shields and everything, the traitor doctor that gets killed, did that? I don't... Does that only apply to the shields on structures? Does that mean all of their body suits are compromised? Did that... uh, Are they all linked to one data network? They all seemed like they were
0: working for everybody else. You know what I mean? Like, his shield... Yeah, like, you see... Yeah, his shield was working, it just was less effective against it. It slowed it down for, like... I don't know, three seconds or whatever, but, like,
2: you know what I mean? Like, it technically Yeah, worked. because yeah, cause obviously, yeah, you saw them working or something was happening, and you never got a scene or a reaction from one of them where they were like, oh, it's malfunctioning, or, oh, I it, it, it's it's only gonna, you know, you can only sustain it for a minute. After that minute, you're gonna be completely open. You know, if somebody would have just said something <laughs> to kind of allude to what was happening or their malfunction so they're not going to be as effective or something you know somebody could have got shot with something and they thought that the shield protected them but it didn't and then they're bleeding and they're like oh shit it penetrated damn our shields are compromised you know that could have been a quick five second conversation you know and then we would have known okay their shit is compromised so maybe they thought it was implied. What the doctor did, but you're right. When I see the shields working and people fighting and stuff, uh, it is a little confusing on what was exactly happening, you know? So all I can do is assume that they were compromised, but you're right. There was nothing definitive to tell us that or anything like that. And really, it's kind of sad because I guess the shields were compromised and everything like that. It did take away from the fighting because then you just kind of got a bunch of kind of run of the mill, close quarter uh, type of stuff. And even though I liked kind of the intensity and the ferocity that Jason Momoa with his acting was bringing to the fighting scenes and stuff like that, it is true that none of the choreography in and of itself was interesting. So, you know, uh, and I do think that that is definitely something that a person can uh, gripe about because the movie saves itself. You know, it's, it really does take a while to develop all these characters and develop all these things and try to get you to understand the political intrigue and what, and how important the spice is and why these people are, are warring for this place. But then, you know, why Paul's father was trying to, Form some sort of alliance and different that you know they really do a good job of establishing all of that. So at the end, I think the idea was okay. It, it is going to take t- us some time to establish all of this stuff. At the first, really. Uh, you know hour and a half to 2 hour 45 of this film but then the last of it we're really going to give you some action scenes we're going to give you some conflict there's going to be this intense uh chase the sandworm is going to come back we're going to we're going to meet some more of the freeman and then finally we're going to have this fight and our character's going to kind of own his way into the group and now we're going to be headed towards the 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 rest to meet the rest of the freemen and see where they live and stuff like that and i think that that's why they thought they they had everything that they needed but yeah i too wish that some of those action sequences toward the end uh could have um you know would have been um a, a little bit better And then I also think last thing I'll say about it is I think there were also some missed opportunities to have some cool scenes, too, because whenever Jason Momoa's character, Duncan Idaho, was telling the story about when he met the Freeman and how, you know, they they came out of the shadows. They came from here and there and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, I fought somebody and I was within an inch of losing my life like this Freeman took me to the limit. Well, damn, I wanted to see that fight. You know, I wish that wasn't told to me. That would have been cool to have seen him fight one of those people and almost get killed. And I think it would have added to the scene at the end. You know, even if you wanted to show it in some sort of visual way where you're not giving everything away, I still think it would have been a cool flashback scene. And then I think it would have added to the intensity at the end when Paul is fighting one of these people. And you're thinking back to that story that Duncan told and you're going, oh, man, is Paul going to survive this? But I feel like since that was just told to us, we didn't see any of that. You know, you kind of don't really get that full effect at the end. So, again, that was just another a missed opportunity that I think probably should have been in the movie. you know, sometimes oftentimes characters will expose things that you just wish there was a scene for, and that was just one of those things. But anyway that's that's pretty much it for me, as
1: far as my gripes.: Yeah, I, I looked it up while you were talking. There are 21 fucking dune books. Wow. The first 21. The first 6 were written by Frank Hubert.
0: Um and then the other 15 are written by his son and typically another author. Like his son has some of the notes and stuff like that from his dad and stuff like that. But yeah, there are fucking 21 of these. And crazy enough as this is, this is all still the first book. Like, if there's a Dune part two, well, I mean, they're supposed to be, but that'll still be first book. That won't even be into the series. That's that's all first book. From what I read wow. about these, they, yeah, they won't go into any of the other books. At least in the first two movies. It would make no sense. But just to kind of give you an example of how you know this is going to be some fucking... Jesus allegory shit. These are the names of the first six books. You've got Dune, of course. Then you've got Dune Messiah. Then children of Dune. (laughs) God, God, emperor of doom of Dune, not doom, Dune. You've got heretics of Dune and then chapter house Dune. That's a weird title, but apparently it takes place on a planet called chapter house. Whatever. But like, yeah, like all those just religiously allegoric names
1: on all of them. Just all up in that Jesus allegory. But like, that is what's so complex about this movie. Is like
0: I said, I know the rest of the story based on the first movie. What, well, How accurate that is, I don't know. But I know the story. And like, that's what would like, so weird about this movie is, like, yeah, we did get so much more detail and so many more elements and stuff like that, but then at the same time, like, there's so much still left to happen, and it's, with knowing some of those things, I'm like, am I gonna even like this second one? But there's a chance, because maybe this one will just do it better, like, you know what I mean, like, Maybe this one will be better
1: with those things. So, I really hope that's the case. I mean, one thing that I saw in the
0: first movie, and this is, like, it's the lightest of spoilers ever for what will be in this, because you did see a glimpse of it in this, uh, this movie, is that the Freeman know how to ride sandworms you know, you see that in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I'm not really spoiling yeah. much. And so yeah, you get to, see, surfing. <laughs> you get to see more of that. Like that's a big part of the rest of the story is riding sandworms. So I am stoked about that. Cause I want to see them ride these big, like, cause that looked like a small baby sandworm. I want to see them ride these big behemoth motherfuckers. Cause like, I mean, this is very detailed, but still not really a spoiler. Like, that biggin, you get to see that more. Like, I know there's more the biggin. That big ol' sandworm. <laughs> L. <El> G- Gigante, <laughs> or whatever the fuck his name was. Yeah, there's more the biggin. And I'm excited about that, because, like I said, I really appreciated that aspect of it. And how integral, like... Uh, like, sandworms are very integral to the story of Dune. Like, so much so that, like... Even in the sequels, like sandworms are a very important aspect of the story. I won't say why that would be a spoiler, but all I'll say is they're very important. So I like the fact that they took their time with the design of them. You know what I mean? I, I, I with how important those are to the story, I liked how they looked.
1: Like they looked like something that is just. Worthy of their importance,
0: and I didn't necessarily mm. always feel that in the nineteen eighty four dune, like I said they have lots of problems with scale in that one, because like I said, whenever they come across the big sandworm in the original nineteen eighty four movie it's big, just like this one it's huge, but then like there's a scene later where somebody rides it, and then like so they go back really far, you know, and then it just doesn't
1: seem that big,
0: and I'm like. Is it big or not? No consistency. So I at least feel like we'll get some of that consistency with it. Plus, with, I guess, the attention to detail with this stuff, I I think that at least that aspect of it will, will be nice. And I really appreciated that. Or I could possibly appreciate it more in the sequel with stuff like that. Um, a couple little other things I want to go into, just real quick, is some of the mythos with Dune that they don't really explain, or maybe they do, but anyway, I just don't remember. But some of the things in in this movie and why they are the way they are. Uh, so you know those suits, those like free suits or whatever the fuck they called them, that they were like, oh, we need those, and then they finally get them. The reason why those are so important is like those suits, especially on a planet like Arrakis, and it's why I also like Freeman have them and stuff like that, like it converts your waste into water? And I mean that in all respects? Like, you're supposed to just piss and shit in these suits, and
1: then the suit will clean it and process it and make it water for you. So, That's why those suits are very important on a planet like Arrakis. Because, you know, water is scarce. Also,
0: the tent did the same thing. That's what they were talking about. Like, oh, here's some water. And they were like, oh, it's our sweat from the night. The the tent did the same thing. (laughs)
1: Like,
0: as they sweat and it condensated in the tent, the tent, like, filters it and cleans it and gives them water for it. Like the tent is made of the same type of stuff. So that's why that was mentioned in that. I just don't know if they ever explained it re, like better. And I just forgot, but like just in case, that is the importance of the suits and the importance of the tent and stuff like that. So that's one of those things. I just wanted to like throw that out there so people know just in case they were slightly confused over that stuff. Um, another thing is. There's a reason why there's no computers in this world. You know, like, you have electronics, technically, but you don't have any computers or anything like that. Um, And the reason being is in in this world, uh, like, it's in the year 10,000, like, it legitimately means, like, it's our our timeline, like, 8,000 years in the future. And at some point... There is a massive war between humans and robots because robots are like AI that were derived from thinking computers, you know, like things, computers that actually do computations and calculations and stuff like that. And because of that war between robots and humans, humans don't trust the idea of making computers anymore. And everything started from scratch again type of thing, but they know to not make computers anything that can compute because that may lead to robots again. And so that's why there's no actual computers or anything like that in this universe. That's why spice is so important because spice is the only way that they have the ability for interspace travel because they can't make a ship. They can actually do calculations to do like, the folding space time like they use with spice to do. They can't make a computer to do that, or they won't. They don't exist in this version of the universe anymore. So, like, that's why some of those things seem like high-tech, low-tech machines, and that's why. You know, that's why they're using things like orthopters and stuff like that to do flying and those types of things. So just something to help you kind of understand the universe in which they are presenting us in Dune.
1: In case there was any confusing uh, matters with that stuff. Cool.
2: Very cool. And I had a question. I forgot. Oh, no, I remember now. Um, Not so much about that, but in the old Dune, is the cast as diverse as this cast was?
0: Fuck no, dude. It's 1984. Everybody white as fuck.
2: I was about to say, I imagined it's it just, wasn't. And I did appreciate that about this. This is a very diverse cast. So I, yeah, I, I that appreciated cool. that. Well, and
0: the good thing about that is it actually makes it feel like different cultures. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, you get those aspects with it. You know? Because, dude, I'm not going to lie. First Dune, dude. They all look like they're from the same town, <laughs> except for the Harkonians. The Harkonians in the original dune are just redheads <laughs> that's all they are. <laughs> uh, Sting's character in that movie is a redhead. uh he's a Harkonian in that movie. Um, the baron in the first one, yeah, he's a big fat guy, but to make him grotesque, he just has like boils and pustules all over his face, and shit like that, like it's whatever. Like still in Skarsgård's version of it, uh, is way more menacing than the other one because the other one's just like yeah. gross. This one is menacing and gross. Like he's a big boy, hmm. he's a big boy. Yeah, but he's menacing with it, kind of like the kingpin. You know what I mean? Big boy, but menacing.
2: Yeah, and, you know. And he just eats. He just. He just eats too destructive. If he could just, you know, calm down and just chew a little bit more and, you know, I just appreciate it. But he just eats so violently. (laughs) And I just, I don't, I don't like people who eat violently. You know what I'm talking about. I don't
0: know what you're talking about at all, Justin, because you're also the motherfucker that likes (laughs) chewy muffins. Just throwing that out there. I will (laughs) never let that slide, Justin. You said fucking chewy muffins, and no one agrees with with you. Chewy muffin. No one agrees with you. No, no, Justin. They're not fucking chips ahoy's. Anyway.
2: Well, I mean, but but even still, you wouldn't eat it violently, right? Like you would just if it know, was chewy, you would have to. You'd have to be calm down. You would have to eat it. it.
0: You know how like sometimes in cartoons back in the day, like when a dog eats a steak, it's like the steak's rubber, and he has to just like er and like stretch it out to take a bite. Yeah, if I had chewing yes. muffins, they'd be like that. Yeah, you'd have to eat that fucking shit violently.
2: That's just that just that just rose me the wrong way. I just I just so wanted to jump into the screen and go, hey man, just take your time, bro. It's not going oh no, anywhere. I know that just really it's bothers yours. you. <laughs> you know, it's not going anywhere. It's yours. You yeah, bought it. But you can't be gluttonous
0: <laughs> and and just over the top if you eat just all civilized and whatnot, Justin. How are you supposed to know eve he's evil if he's just eating all nice like? Because there's two types of evil eaters, Chastin. They're the ones that are meticulous when they eat, kind of like mm. a like a Hannibal Lecter. You know? Like they're all they care about what fork they're using. They got their pinkies out, and everything's just those small little cuts and everything, and they're so precise.
2: Or you're yeah, I love that about
0: him. Or I your love gluttonous. that about him. That's
2: a those guy are the, you
0: can respect. Those are the only two types of evil
1: eating out there.
3: Justin's very concerned about this guy.
2: (laughs) I just prefer, yeah, I was concerned for him. I was like, hey, man, don't, don't joke before you get your empire. You know, I mean, just, it's gotta (laughs) slow down a little bit. But yeah, like, he needs a consultant, somebody to just tell him that, you know. But like, yeah, that's, hey, Mr. Barron, just slow down.
0: But to answer your question, though, that is like all the diversity. In the 1984 Dune. It's a bunch of white people that are dark-haired or blonde. And then the evil
1: guys are redheads. That's wow. it.
3: Which you probably appreciated, Sterling.
0: <laughs> yeah, but at the same time, it's, it's a little played out in that scenario.
1: But I mean, I guess if you're going to go for evil white people, of course it's redheads. But uh, yeah,
0: I like that in this movie. At least they look like different cultures. You know what I mean? Like, you know, the Harkonnians look different than the uh, Artradians or Atreides. Atreides, or the fuck you'd call them. Like, they look different. And then the Freemen look different than, you know, the other cultures, which makes sense because they're all on different fucking planets. And have different environments. If you exactly. grow in a, like a lush <laughs> planet of trees and water and everything, you're not going to look the same as a fucking people and culture
1: that's just been nonstop fucking desert. You know? So yes, that, that is a nice touch. That is
0: a very good thing in this movie. That makes a lot of sense. It's
1: more logical to do it that way you know and it's just it's nice that like you
0: get some variety with things now like there was the scene with the doctor when it's like speaking mandarin okay i do think it's weird that
1: mandarin still exists i guess in this context you know like i get that
0: it's a continuation of our universe and that's why there's english But, like, I don't know, it's just weird that Mandarin was the language they chose in that instance, instead of making one up. But, it still had that aspect to it. And then, like, you know, the Freeman looking different and stuff like that. So, like, while it did throw me off that they were very distinctly going Mandarin, it's still, it's, it's more, it's more everything than something else. And adds a flavor of things because that doctor was then able to talk to Paul without other people maybe understanding what he was saying. And then, as much as I don't think it makes sense that American Sign Language is still a thing in this universe, at least it makes sense that that's something his mom
1: taught him to allow them to communicate without other people knowing what they're saying. You
0: know, with... As much as everybody was protective of the prince, it makes sense that certain people would have abilities or have ways to communicate with the prince so other people wouldn't understand what they were saying. So, (laughs) those were nice little touches. The one-handed sign language was a little weird. Because I'm like, that'd be so hard to read. When it's like one-handed
1: and like on their side, but eh, I guess it worked. But do you guys have any more thoughts about Dune? I do not. No. So on that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode
0: of the Cinema Slayers Podcast. Check us out on the internet at com or Cinema Slayers Podcast on Facebook or Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Or Cinema Slayers Pod on Twitter where I did do a one minute review on this movie. Which got a very weird comment on it. Because all I said in it was that I was bored. It was a very long movie. And I felt like there were some scenes that were unnecessary in the movie. And then somebody tried to call me out on it. By mentioning specifically the training scene at the beginning of the movie. And saying that scene makes sense because of the, the fight scene at the end. It like foreshadows the other one. And I'm like, I didn't mention either one of those things. So why are you acting like I did? It was very weird. I don't understand hmm. why that guy felt the need to defend a specific scene. When I mentioned no specific scenes, because it's a minute long review. And like 15 of those seconds is always me doing an intro and an outro. So I've got like 45 seconds to talk. I don't mention specific scenes. But like, yeah, it was just very weird that he came at me like that. But hey. It's also kind of cool that I'm getting interaction on TikTok, so fuck it. Watch me on TikTok. I've got almost just two months left, little over two months left of doing a fucking movie every day. So check that out. Um, shout out to Mundo Ochoa and Plug Plugmigo for our logo and theme songs, respectively. And give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Uh, Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your family's friends, tell your friends' families, and especially tell those dear sweet mothers, because you know what mothers love—sandworms. It's a weird thing, but it's a fact. (laughs) All mothers love sandworms. Scientifically proven. It's in a Dutch study. Don't look it up. So, just you know, let them know. And as I always in the podcast, and just because it's ever so fitting in this movie because the great Oscar Isaac will be the Moon Knight when it wins Best Picture, according to Jastin. Somebody
1: else. You know. Nobody knows anything but you. All
3: right. Are you ready? Cinema Slayer.
2: I give like the cutest I've ever seen Oh, Mr. Sandman Bring me a treat Oh, Mr. Sandman
0: That's another thing I meant to bring up. Paul's visions and dreams. I don't know if they were intentionally spotty and inaccurate or whatever, but that was very weird also. Because there were sometimes like, he completely pictured Duncan's death accurately. But then, like, he kept having those scenes where he's like talking to that guy he kills at the end of the movie. It's like and that guy's like, "Yeah, we're best friends," and I'm going to show you all about the desert. And then when they get together, they murder him. So what is it?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I meant to bring that up, and you reminded me of it when you were talking about dreams and your little Sandman song. All right, I'm out.